Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor Study. Today's program is going to be a little bit different. Every week we have a question and answer period, but we've had an awful lot of questions about worship. So we're going to take a whole half hour today. Hopefully we can get through in a half hour. If we can't, this will be part one of two. But we'll get part one out today and talk to Pastor Brock about worship and what it really is and how it's different. But Pastor Brock, I'd like to start the show off by saying you've been a minister for, what, over 30 years yep. now? <laughs> so you've probably seen a lot of different worship methods and that. So first of all, share with our audience what are some of your best worship experiences. Okay. You know, I, as I thought of that, Jackie, I remember at eight years old sitting in my Lutheran church in Omaha as a little boy, and they sang... It came upon a midnight clear as angels bending near the earth to strum their harps of gold. And I just remember, isn't this beautiful? Angels were there at the birth of Christ. And I don't know why, but I have a clear memory of thinking, isn't this beautiful? And I was eight years old. And then fast forward, age 18, again, I'm at my church in Omaha. Uh, I'm, I just got down with my, or I'm in the middle of my first year of college. And at a New Year's Eve Christmas service, it's like it was a rededication of my life to Christ. I wrote a rather big check. I don't know if I'd ever done that to the church at age 18. But there again, the Lord touched me at a worship service. And then I go to college, and for a while, I went to a Baptist college. I was raised Lutheran. I, was, I went to Bethel College over university now in, in St. Paul. And these Baptists sang some great hymns that I had never heard in my life. And can it be that I should gain? Wonderful hymns. And, 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 and then, Jackie, I, no offense to the pastors I had when I was a boy. They were Lutheran pastors, biblical men, but kind of boring. But then at, I went to First Covenant downtown in Minneapolis when I was in college. Back then, a man by the name of Dr. David Larson could he ever preach? I had never heard preaching like that. And then some other men, too, about the same time. And I started hearing clear biblical preaching that was exciting and powerful. And, you know, I'll just uh, uh, share one other, other time. Years ago, the vineyard churches, are, uh, they started out in California. They're more charismatic, kind of. But I went to a vineyard conference. There must have been, I don't know, a couple thousand people. Jackie, I walked into that service, and I'm kind of a non-emotional German. I don't cry hardly ever. For five nights, I went into the service at Vineyard, and when they would start the worship up, I would start crying. And I, crying about my sins, crying about the grace and mercy of our loving God. And Jackie, that happened like five days in a row. There was a powerful presence of the Holy Spirit there. So those are some of the best worship experiences I've ever had. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you what some of the worst were. Well, <laughs> let me tell you some of my worst worship experiences. First, let's talk about the Lutherans. 
when I was an ELCA Lutheran pastor, we left because it's so unbiblical in that denomination, going to our synod worship convention, and they had us all turn to the north, south, east, and west and pray in the direction of the four winds to pattern our Christian worship after Native American spirituality. And I came back and I said that to our congregation, Jackie, and one Native American woman came up with tears in her eyes and said, that's what Jesus saved me from. I don't want to go back to it. Let me give you a few other bad examples. I'll name the churches. Hennepin Avenue United Methodist Church in downtown Minneapolis, very liberal church. I went there for a Sunday morning service. I went to their sacred journey service. It was all about the circle. They kept in for, everything's like a circle. And it was all kind of new age. There was Christianity in there too, but it was kind of new. Then the woman preacher gets up to preach and, and the text for the day happened to be John the Baptist telling us to repent in the scriptures. She says in her sermon, well, today's scripture lesson has a, a word that makes us progressives want to run for the door. Repent. Hmm. Hmm. All right, Jackie, uh, two more. Another church I would not send anyone to is St. Mark's Episcopal Cathedral, which is right next to Hennepin Avenue United Methodist Church. St. Mark's hangs the big rainbow banner from its steeple during gay lesbian celebrations. I went there to church once. The pastor leans down to two men, John and Tony. Your loving, committed relationship doesn't threaten my marriage. I picked up literature in the ba on the back table. I don't know if they still do. They had something at that church called, this is an Episcopal church. It's called the Religious Center, Center for Religious Inquiry. Right in the literature, all religious claims are equally valid. All religious claims. So I guess Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity, Satanism, it said all. All their claims are equally valid. All right, and then the same morning, I was a glutton for punishment. The same morning, I went a few blocks further to, for me, maybe the worst church I've ever been in, Plymouth Congregational Church in downtown Minneapolis. At that time, I don't know if they still do, I don't think so, they had a transgender pastor, a woman who I think was taking shots, so she had a beard, and she was one of the pastors reading scripture, the guest speaker that day said, Jesus wasn't perfect. You can't relate to someone if they're not, if they're perfect. Well, there goes our salvation, Jackie, if Jesus sinned, because then he has to pay for his own sins. And, and um, then, you know, everything, the, the scripture, uh, things were desexed. They got rid of, you know, masculine references for God. And so, uh, and the teaching that Jesus isn't the only way to heaven at that church, Put those all together, that's the worst worship I've ever been in. Okay. Pastor Brock, when you were talking about your best and your worst, you talked about music and you talked about other things, but what are the main components yep. of worship? I yeah. mean, what should we consider worship and not consider right. worship? Right. Jackie, let's say somebody's church shopping, and they, they know that it's time to leave their church for whatever reason. And how do I know I'm going to a good church versus a heretical church? This is easy, Jackie. You go to the church service. Afterwards, you say, and you're real polite, Pastor, can I just have two minutes of your time? That's all I'll take. I, you know, I'm church shopping, Pastor. Can I just ask you a few questions? Number one, do you believe there's a heaven and a hell? You'll be surprised how many pastors don't believe in hell anymore. Number two, do you believe Jesus is the only way to heaven? Number three, do you believe the Bible is the final authority, the, the written and infallible Word of God? Number four, tell me, do you believe in things like miracles, the virgin birth of Christ, Jesus walking on the water? Do you think that stuff happened? And then number five, Pastor, what do you believe about things like abortion 
homosexuality, etc. And if you get a lot of tap dancing, well, that's a difficult issue. You don't want that church. If you get good, clear biblical answers, you want that church. So that's how you church shop. Your question was, what should be in a worship service? Right. What you, are the parts of worship? I, I, you, you need to make sure you've got a Trinitarian worship service. We open our service in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and or you close the service in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's one of the, one of the uh, elements. Okay. Yeah. Another one, and, and, and more traditional churches do this more often, you, they often, and I'm not saying you have to do all of these things in every service, not, I'm not saying that, but it's good to. You open with confession of sin, where everybody takes some time in, in the service to confess their sins, and then the pastor or who, whoever the worship leader is does what's called the absolution, that through Christ our sins are forgiven. And you do that at the beginning of the service so you can worship God with a clear conscience the rest of the service. You know you've been forgiven, now I can worship the Lord. And then you could go to singing, you go to scripture reading, you go to a message, uh, you, then you have Christian fellowship, and then you end with a benediction. How about communion? Communion, I'm sorry, I skipped a big one. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, some churches do it every Sunday, I love that. Other churches do it once a month, but having the body and blood of Christ with your brothers and sisters, that's kind of the high point. People think the sermon is the high point. Uh, actually, I think Holy Communion is the high point. Okay, um, Pastor Brock, why do some, what is the church calendar? Uh -huh. Some churches follow it, yeah. others don't. Yeah. So what, explain the church the calendar. The church calendar is us kind of walking through the life of Christ and reliving it every year. And you're right, uh, it's mainly what the liturgical churches, the Roman Catholic Church, the Lutheran Church, the uh, Episcopalian Church, uh, Presbyterians, uh, a lot of Methodists, Baptists and non uh, denominational churches don't seem to be as big on the church calendar. It simply is different seasons that we walk through that, I mean, Holy Week is the last week of Jesus' life, so we have, la we have Good Friday when he died, Easter Sunday when he rose from the dead, and it's, it's us walking through uh, the life of Christ every year. Well, that kind of goes into saying, like, Advent. Okay. Not every church celebrates Advent? No, they don't. So what is Advent? All right, let's it's talk about Advent. Ad, okay, the church year, the calendar of the church year starts with Advent. It's normally, was it the last Sunday of November? And it's the four Sundays before uh, Christmas when we think of the Advent. The word Advent means coming. And we think of the second coming of Christ, how he comes down in the clouds on Judgment Day to, to judge the world. And the four Sundays before Easter are kind of sobering times when we think about our soul, Christ, uh, the end of time. So that when we get to Easter, if we've repented and soberly thought of that, excuse me, when we get to Christmas, then we're ready to celebrate his first Advent at Christmas time when he became a baby. So that's what Advent is. Okay, so should Christians observe Christmas since December 25th was actually considered a pagan holiday? Yeah, you know, Jackie, I get emails from people who are, some of them going to churches that, you know, you can't work, you, you know, the, 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 Ancient Romans worship Saturn, Saturnalia, on December 25th. Therefore, you should not celebrate Jesus' birthday on December 25th. And I wrote this lady back and I said, who says the devil owns December 25th? <laughs> if the ancient pagan Romans wanted to worship Saturn on the day, that day, that's their problem. If I want to worship Jesus on December 25th, why not? And I think, you know, early in their church history, they, they did that to get people away from paganism so that they could celebrate their Christian faith. Personally, I don't think anything's wrong with that. 
Okay, but we don't know for sure that December 25th no, was No, no, that's a good point. Right. Was Jesus born on December 25th? I think we have about a 1 in a 365 chance that that's true. Okay. Yeah. So, all right, Epiphany. Now, mm -hmm. this is something you hear only in certain churches. Right. Again, the higher churches, if you want to call them that. There's low church. doesn't mean you're... Low church means it's very informal. Baptist mm -hmm. churches tend to be, uh, and high church tends to be Catholic, Lutherans, Episcopal. The, the high churches tend to uh, celebrate what's called Epiphany. So again, the first part of the church year is called Advent. Then we have a number of weeks which is called Christmas, where we celebrate Christmas. Right after Christmas calls, is called Epiphany. And you've heard, I had an Epiphany, Jackie, which means I had a, had a vision. Epiphany means manifestation, and it refers to when the three wise men came, or not three, when the wise men came, it never, never says there were three, but when the wise men show up to see the infant Jesus, that's called the Epiphany, because it's the first time he appeared to non-Jews. So there's the season of Epiphany, after which is Lent, etc. Okay, that was my next one, okay. so explain Lent. The word Lent means spring, and it refers to the 40 days before Easter. So 40 days uh, before Easter, the resurrection we, we, we celebrate, it's, again, it's a time of repentance from sin, rededicating our lives to Christ, and then meditating on the sufferings of Christ for our, our salvation. Uh, Lent ends with what's called Holy Week. Palm Sunday, Jesus rides into the town. Good Friday, he's killed. Easter Sunday, he rises from the dead. And so the end of Lent is the resurrection of Christ. And the holidays you just mentioned, like Monday, Thursday, mm -hmm. and Palm Sunday, and Good Friday, actually were things that were significant in the last week of Jesus' life? Yes, yes, yep. So Monday, Thursday, for, uh, you know, uh, Palm Sunday is the last week of Jesus' life. He rides into town, they worship him and praise him. Four days later, he's, he's about to get arrested, and he gives a Holy Communion. That's called Maundy Thursday. Mm -hmm. They call it Maundy because Maundy means mandatum in, in Latin, meaning it's actually Commandment Thursday when he commands us to love one another. Dies on the cross, Good Friday, rises from the dead Easter Sunday. So again, it's a reenactment of the last week of Christ's life. Okay, and then I guess the last one I'd ask about would be Pentecost. Yes. Because not... Right. Okay, Jesus rises from the dead and spends about 40 days on earth after the resurrection. People don't know that, but at, it says in Acts, of 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, on and off, he'd pop in and, and visit the disciples. Then he takes them on the mountain, and Jesus goes up into heaven again. It's called the Ascension. Ten days after the Ascension, I'm pretty sure I got that right, the Holy Spirit falls upon the disciples, they speak in tongues, they get fire on their heads, and they go out and they convert the world. That's called Pentecost. It's called the birthday of the church. Pentecost was an Old Testament feast that they turned into the self, because it was when the Jews had come together for the Old Testament feast, that's when the Holy Spirit fell and the disciples started speaking in tongues, and that's when the birthday, that's called the birthday of the church. 3,000 people get baptized and Christ is preached. And Pentecostal churches, is that a more... Yeah, Pentecost, uh, Pentecostal churches tend to uh, be very big on the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's go on to a different area. Some churches don't use musical instruments in their mm -hmm. worship because the New Testament churches didn't. 
should we just sing without a piano mm -hmm. or a band yeah, or yeah. anything? There are some churches that tend to be legalistic and say, well, they didn't have pianos in the, in the Bible, and they didn't have electric guitars, and so, you know, we, we, sh we should only sing a cappella. And I'll say this, I've been in churches that just sing a cappella. It's beautiful. But to say that you're being unbiblical or that you're sinning, if you have a, you know, Jackie, uh, Praise the Lord with instruments. Praise Him on string. This is in the Bible. Praise Him with stringed instrument. Praise Him on loud trumpets, loud crashing cymbals. That's all in the Bible. They used instruments in the Old Testament, and they say, and these groups tend to say, well, they didn't use them in the New Testament. Well, how do they know? How do they know they didn't use those musical? It never says, and there's nothing in the New Testament that says you can't use musical instruments. I mean, what I say to these people. You don't find light bulbs in the New Testament either, but I bet your church has light bulbs, you know. So you, you don't want to get weirdly legalistic on stuff like this. Okay, but should a church today steer towards more traditional worship or contemporary mm -hmm. worship? Mm -hmm. I mean, you have extremes. You do, and this can cause World War III in a church. As you probably remember, many years ago when I came to Hope Lutheran Church, there, w there was a battle going on. Are we going to just be traditional Lutherans, or are we going to allow the contemporary worship service? And it got kind of ugly, I will say. <laughs> and my response is, Jackie, both are fine. You never see in the New Testament that you have to worship real strictly and, and formally. You never see you have to worship real low church comfortably. It, I think, I, I, went, I, I preached to the church this morning. And they had a wonderful mix. They had some of the good hymns and some of the good new contemporary music, and they mixed them together. It was great. But I, I think if you go to a church and it's high church, liturgical, very formal, that's fine. If you go to a church and it's low church and they're singing the old, uh, the old gospel hymns or they're singing all the new contemporary stuff, fine. We need to, Jesus said, he, those who worship me will worship in spirit and truth. You need to do that. But the, the clothing, how you do that, is up to every congregation. But do you think a church should offer both a contemporary uh -huh. and a traditional uh, service you know, in a, I, to be... I think, I, I think that's what most churches are doing now. And personally, that's what I like. But I, there are some churches that are strictly high church liturgical, and they're fine. And there are some churches that are very uh, contemporary, and they're fine too. Okay, I guess we couldn't talk about worship if we didn't talk a little bit about some of the cults because they yeah. have different type of worship right, things. Right. Yep. And how does a person, if you were talking about church shopping, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. know they're not walking into Good. a cult type yep. situation? Maybe I should add one more question that you asked the pastor at the door. Pastor, does this church believe in the Holy Trinity, that there's only one God, but in God are three equal persons, eternal persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Do you believe that Jesus is God? And if they don't believe Jesus is God, you're probably in a Jehovah's Witness church and you want to get out of there. They say they believe in the Bible. They don't. If you're in a Mormon, let me just list for people the churches you don't want to go to. Mormon. Jehovah's, they have a wonderful choir. Oh, oh, they do. <laughs> I, I have Mormon Tabernacle Choir on my CDs, but I don't believe what their doctrine is. So you want to stay away from Mormonism, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Stay away from Jehovah's Witnesses. Stay away from Christian Science. Stay away from the Unity Church. Uh, stay away from what, New Unitarian? Age. Unitarian you stay away from. They don't believe in the Trinity. So th just um, go to the Christian bookstore, buy a good book on the cults, and you'll know where to stay away. Okay. Um, 
Pastor Brock, are there different roles for men and women in the church? Mm -hmm. I mean, yep. because yep. you've talked about going to different churches mm -hmm. where there was a female minister right. or a male minister that did this mm -hmm. or whatever. Yep, yep. And I would encourage, I mean, Jackie... Where does Scripture define the right, role? Right, there of? you go. And when you and I were little in the Lutheran Church, you only had male pastors. That changed in the 70s when... The, some of the Lutheran denominations, not the Missouri Synod or, or Wisconsin Synod, but what became the ELCA, they really promote women ministers because they think that's equality, etc. I believe in the equality of the sexes. Men and women are equal, but we're different. And we do have different roles in Scripture. I mean, Jackie, I can't give birth to a baby and, and be a mom. And uh, I, don't, I don't take that as an insult to myself. It's just the way God made me. And if, so if you read 1 Timothy 2, men are to be the preachers in the church and they're to be the leaders in the church, which is why at many churches, including Hope, the, the elders of the church are male and the, the preachers are male. The, the only thing that women can't do is preach over men and be elders. But, you know, women teach over women, women teach children, and virtually every other gift of the Holy Spirit. But, but Jackie, I personally wouldn't go to a church if the person preaching from the pulpit, giving a scripture, is a woman because of 1 Timothy chapter 2. But there are women preachers now in churches, and there are women elders in churches. Yeah, yeah. So do you avoid those churches I would. because of that? I, I wouldn't want to. I mean, I have gone to churches that, uh, on a visiting basis that have a women preacher, but I don't think it's biblical, so I wouldn't go. Okay. Yeah. So what do you think about children attending church mm -hmm. services? I think it's great, and we should encourage it and we should also encourage the parents to be polite. Can I tell you, Jackie, I preached at a church this morning, <laughs> and I'm praying under my breath, oh, Lord, please move those parents to get those kids out, because I was trying to preach, and it was so noisy. And most parents are pretty good. Their kids make noise. They get up and take them to the, the lobby for a few minutes. For some reason, these parents were just sitting there. And that, that's hard on not only the preacher, it's hard on the people that are trying to concentrate on the message. So, but nevertheless, bring your kids to church. I think it's important for little kids to be in church, but then take them out periodically when you need to. Okay. So, Pastor Brock, explain liturgy, mm -hmm. because it seems like from one church to another, mm -hmm. if you visit or go to something, mm -hmm. there's diff different liturgies. Yeah. I think literally, liturgy, if I remember right, means work of the people. And so when you come together, it's the work of the people to glorify God, to praise God. Most people by liturgy think of the higher churches, Episcopal, Catholic, Lutheran, where there's a real former, a formal order to the service. And then you go to non-denominational churches or often some Baptist-type churches, and it's real flexible, and there's not much formality to it. So that's kind of the difference. Yeah. Okay. And I, again, I don't think either is wrong. So liturgy is not a rule of the church. It's just a plan for well, like a, I, a service? I, I will say this, if I can make a little plug for liturgy. I kind of like worshiping the way Christians have for hundreds and hundreds of years. So I like doing the confession absolution. I like the Kyrie, Lord have mercy upon us. I like the glory and excelsis, glory be to God on high. I like doing all that because first of all, it's all based on scripture. The liturgy comes right out of the Bible. And I enjoy worshiping the way Christians have for hundreds and hundreds of years. Okay, what is the benediction in mm -hmm. the part of the service? Yep. I mean, is it 
a significant part yeah. of worship? You know, at the end of a lot of services, the pastor will, or the worship leader will stand up and he will bless the congregation. And that is based on what's called the Aaronic blessing. Aaron, the brother of Moses, blessed the people of Israel by saying, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And then the Christians add, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I think something happens in the benediction. You get a blessing if you're open to it. And so that's what that is. Okay. Pastor Brock, what's the best version of the Bible that a church mm -hmm. should use mm -hmm. for their worship services? Yeah. Because you see people coming in with their study Bibles, you see people with the Revised Standard, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. Old King James. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, some people have their own preferences, but yeah. is it wrong to use different Bibles? No, I think, you know, the, the major, the, <coughs> the NIV, I don't like the new RSV because they desex things, but uh, I like a version that's very literal to the original Greek and Hebrew. Old Testament was written in Hebrew, New Testament in Greek. So Jackie, the versions I like the best are the uh, ESV, the English Standard Version, and the NASB. I will highly recommend that people buy what's called the ESV Study Bible, because at the bottom of every page, great study notes on how to un understand the difficult verses. ESV Study Bible. Okay, Pastor Breck, I'm going to put you on the spot here now. Oh, oh my. You're probably You've been doing a lot of visitation at different churches mm -hmm. and everything now that you're out on your own mm -hmm. and doing things and that. Who are some of your favorite preachers of today mm -hmm. besides yourself? <laughs> Thank you, show. Jackie. Um, <laughs> I love John Piper. He's the Baptist preacher here in the Twin Cities. He's nationally known because he writes books. He's a wonderful preacher. I like Charles Stanley. He's a Baptist preacher on television. Of course, I, I love Billy Graham. He doesn't preach much anymore, but... Um, and who else? Do, uh, 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 Ravi Zacharias is good. Dr. David Jeremiah. What's it? David Jeremiah. Uh, those are some of my favorite preachers. Yeah. Are there some that we should avoid listening yes, to? Yes, there is. A, there are some of these health and wealth preachers, and I won't give you his name, but he just looks in the camera and says, "You send a, a so you reap a seed. You send money to this ministry. You sow a seed. Your marriage is going to be healed." And it's horrible stuff. And just be very careful who you send money to. Just. Uh, uh, just some of, some of these health and wealth preachers are out for your money, and it's evil, Jackie. Yeah. Well, we still have some more questions left, but we're down to the last minute of our show. And I'd like to remind you that pastorstudy.org is our website, and you can listen to any of our shows. We've downloaded them there quite regularly, so they're on quite ap quickly after we've mm -hmm. recorded them. Mm -hmm. um, Pastor Brock? Also, you can leave our question there for us, and we'll bring it up on another program. Pastor Brock is available. If you're interested in having him speak at your church, you can leave a note there, and mm -hmm. he'll get back in contact with you. And I guess, Pastor Brock, anything else? New? Let's see. we got about 23 seconds. Thanks. I will tell you that we are on nationally now, not just in the Twin Cities, but we're on DirecTV and Dish Network. And if you'd like to, it, it's quite expensive. So pray for our ministry that will reach many people for Christ, especially people who are in, in churches that they need to get out of. And you can support us by just going to pastorstudy.org, uh, two S's, pastorstudy.org, and uh, pray for us, and we'd appreciate whatever support you give. Thanks for being with us. We pray God would be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. 
Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.